Welcome to The Upward Journey, the podcast ministry of Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina. When you think of prayer, what do you think of? Is it casting a rope up for help when you need it most? Is it how you try to develop a relationship with the God of the universe? Or do you see it as more of a meditation, primarily meant to focus your thoughts and feelings? It's been said that prayer is the key that unlocks all the storehouses of God's infinite grace and power. Yet many of us don't feel like we experience that. So how do we experience that kind of power in our lives through prayer? We explore that and more in our current series, Prayer. Let's continue the upward journey. Upward family, great to see you on this beautiful weekend. Haven't we had a beautiful weekend? It is gorgeous. When we have these beautiful weekends, I'm just wondering, is anybody going to show up at church today? Because it's so nice outside, but here you are packing the room today. Great to see you today. Today and this week, we began a very special three weeks in our church's history. We are doing three weeks of prayer and fasting together as a church family. And I hope you're excited about that. You're going to be a little hungry, but hungry for the right things. Prayer and fasting for three weeks together as a church. You say, Pastor, why do we need to do this? What's going on? Well, we've had a lot of bad news in our world recently, haven't we? A lot of bad news. We've had some bad news locally recently. Just uh, about a week ago, our courthouse was shut down due to a bomb threat. Had to evacuate that. Another staff member called. Their wife worked at a, uh, met, works at a medical building in town. The building was threatened. The whole building had to be shut down. Just last week in our area, one of our local crisis pregnancy centers was attacked and defaced and uh, broke windows and painted all kind of things on the building. We've had a lot of bad news. Do you know God's always in the middle of that doing something good, though? At the crisis pregnancy center, God's people started showing up. The community started showing up. I heard a painter showed up and said, I'll paint this whole place again for free. I'll fix it all. Isn't it wonderful how God's people show up in the midst of stuff like that? Then we heard just a few weeks ago of the terrible uh, tragedy in Texas where 19 elementary school children were murdered. And when I heard that, something in my heart, and, and I'm, I'm sure in your heart, you just hear something on the news, and in your heart you just say, enough's enough. Anybody just saying enough? Anybody just had it with this bad news? Anybody had it with our children getting, getting addicted to drugs and destroying their lives and other lives. Anybody just had it with that and say, will say with me, enough's enough, it's time for that to end. Anybody just had it with our children being murdered in their own school classrooms where they ought to be safe? Anybody just had enough? It's like enough is enough. And that's kind of what happened in my heart. I just said, enough is enough. We have to do something. We have to do something. But I have a number of you that are coming to me and a number of people reaching out to me and others saying, Pastor, what can we do? God came to me recently and said, what can we do, Pastor? I only have one vote, and I keep voting the way I think I ought to vote. What can I do? Pastor, I can only be one person at a protest. I can only hold up one sign. I can only write one letter to each person. I mean, I'm only one person. What can I do? I think we as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ have highly undervalued and underestimated our power to bring change to the world. 
We have highly undervalued and underestimated our power as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to bring change to our world. What can we do? We can fast and pray. And that is some of the greatest, most powerful things you can get yourself involved in is fasting and prayer. God said it in 2 Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, there's fasting, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, God promises, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. And our land needs healing today. Notice God didn't start that by saying, if the voters... Notice God didn't say, if the folks in Raleigh... Notice He also didn't say, if the folks in Washington, D.C. will get straightened out. No. He said, if my people... That's us. We can fast and pray. I want to give you something may get me in trouble, but I'm going to tell you, I don't believe that the brokenness in the United States today has a legislative solution. I don't believe there is a political solution. Some of our founding fathers said this. They said our system is built to govern and to lead a godly people. And if you do not have a godly base of people, the system becomes useless. Legislation cannot change the human heart. About 160 years ago, we fought in this nation a civil war. We have a tremendous history in the United States of America. All those people who are trying to say America bad have not read history. Because America's done a lot of good. Look at the 1940s when America stood up in World War II with other nations of the world and brought freedom to the world. Look at the missionaries that have been sent out with the gospel of Jesus Christ from our country. we got some problems, and we've had some stains on our national history too, and that's just being very honest about it. The inability of our nation at its birth to deal with the issue of slavery was a horrible thing, a terrible thing, and one of the great sins of our nation is tolerating slavery. In the 1860s, we fought a civil war, and... 2% of the population died. Over 600,000 men died in the Civil War. Aren't you glad the Civil War solved the racial problems? Aren't you glad that fixed everything? It didn't. If you watch the news today, it's almost like we're fighting the Civil War all over again. People say, why is it? We fought the war and we passed some good laws, some good legislation, 13th Amendment, abolished slavery. Isn't that wonderful that as a nation we made a statement from our government that slavery will no longer exist in this nation? Wonderful thing. Why didn't that solve the problem? You got new laws, but we're fighting the same demons. I know I scared a few of you right there. But I believe the problems in our nation are spiritual problems that are beneath the surface and their heart problems that are beneath the surface. We're fighting some of the same demons we were facing in the Civil War. Legislation cannot drive out spiritual darkness. I don't believe that the politicians hold the future of our world in their hands. Can I get an amen? Can I get a thank God? 
I don't believe the voters hold the future of our nation in their hands. I believe God himself holds the future of our nation and our world in his hands. And as his people who are called to pray, we hold a lot in our hands as well. We can make a difference. As I prayed over the needs of our world and our nation, my heart was drawn to a story in the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It's the, it's the story of an Old Testament king named Jehoshaphat. Say that with me, Jehoshaphat. You may not know this hidden fact, but Jehoshaphat had a 42-inch vertical leap from which came the statement, jumping Jehoshaphat. That's total baloney out there. I made all that up. Everything else I say is going to be true except that. That joke worked about as well as I thought it would. Sorry, I'm so sorry. That was just terrible. In reality, Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah, one of the, a split of a mighty tribe off the nation of Israel. And Jehoshaphat was one in a long line of succession of kings of the nation of Judah. And Jehoshaphat did a pretty good job. He did not have a spotless record. He followed God for the most part. He made some terrible mistakes. Just before this chapter in 2 Chronicles 18 and 19, he made an alliance with evil King Ahab and almost got himself killed. Your friends can mess with you. He repented of that and came back to God, and we come to what happens in 2 Chronicles 20. Let's look at it together. Can we just stand in honor for God's Word? We don't do this every week, but can we just stand to honor the Word? I just feel drawn to do that this weekend. This is God's Word that speaks to our heart. It's God's authority, God's truth. God's standard for our lives. Let's read it together. It'll be on the screen. After this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Menuhites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at... Just testing you right there. Hazazon Tamar... That was another name for En Gedi. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. God, may you just bless your word today. Your word is powerful. Bless my heart, my mouth, my ears to hear from you and share what you want to be said today. And bless the ears and the hearts of the listeners to receive your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Three things we learn from this passage. Three things we learn from this passage that I quickly want to share with you today. Number one, attacks are inevitable. I said attacks are inevitable. After this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and Menuhites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Let me tell you something. If you do anything, you're going to get attacked. If you lead anything, you're going to get attacked. If you change anything, you're going to get attacked. People love the status quo. And if you come in with a better idea and start implementing that idea, get ready, you're going to get shot at. Heard a pastor recently 
His whole church is in an uproar because one Sunday he moved the communion table off to the side. One pastor friend of mine moved the piano five feet off to the side one Sunday and the congregation erupted because he'd moved the piano. Smartest guy I ever met though. He moved it back and then moved it a half an inch a week. <laughs> Show those church people. Yeah. Let me tell you, you lead something, you're going to get attacked. You change something, you're going to get attacked. You stand up for something, you're going to get attacked. Culture in our world today wants us just to be quiet and go along with the narrative. Listen, I don't preach politics, so if you hear this through a political lens, you're hearing it wrong. I believe God wants to save people on both sides, and God loves people on both sides. Amen. There's a pressure on us just to keep our mouths closed. If you stand up for what you believe, you're going to get shot at. Notice there were three different groups coming at him. This was not just one nation getting angry. This was a coordinated attack. This third group, the Menuhites, uh, scholars debate who they even were, but they were not a part typically of the Moabites and the Ammonites. You can see them binding together. But they believe this third group were hired soldiers or mercenaries. They just got them on the team so that they could go and attack Jehoshaphat. Does it ever feel like the attacks that come against you are coordinated? Can I see a hand out there? Just move something. Does it ever feel like when you're under attack, somebody's planning this? I've been attacked this morning. Somebody gave me the high sign on 26 this morning all the way here. Then I saw him pull into the parking lot. No, I did not. I did not, I promise. I've got to quit lying up here. I can't do that. I just thought, Alexa said, wouldn't it be funny if they pulled in it upward? I said, yeah, it would. I'd find them. That's not an attack. But sometimes it feels like, man, things are coming at me from three directions. Somebody told me this once. They said, bad things happen in threes. Now, I don't believe in superstition. In fact, I believe superstition is evil and actually invites trouble into your life. Superstition doesn't govern my life. My life is governed by Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, and Him alone, not ladders, not black cats, not anything else. Amen. Get the superstition out of your life in Jesus' name. But sometimes bad things keep rolling because there is somebody behind them coordinating your attack may come in form of accusation. Someone makes a false accusation against you and tries to wreck your reputation. That happens a lot today, especially with the Internet. Your attack may come in relational strife in, in your marriage, in your children, in surrounding family, in your friends. Guy asked me once, he said, Pastor, is there a demon of appliances? <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but he said, mine tend to go out in threes. The washer and the refrigerator and the dryer must be talking to each other because they decide to quit on the same month. Can I get an amen? Anybody out there experience that? If you do anything, my friend, you're going to get attacked. That's a, one of the lessons of this passage. They're going to come. 2 Timothy 3.12, Paul writing to Timothy said this. He said, yes, 
And everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If you do the right thing, people are going to come against you and attack you. Now, I did not say, for those of you who carry a Bible around and you're just a jerk. You ever seen a jerk with a Bible? They're out there. Jerks with Bibles. They carry a Bible around and feel like it's their job to straighten everybody else out when they haven't straightened themselves out yet. They love to argue on Facebook and whatever other. They love to argue. Their theme of their life is, I'm right. That's not what I'm talking about. If you act that way, it's not persecution. It's just payback. But if you live godly in Christ Jesus and do the right thing, there are people who are going to hate you. There are people who are going to come against you. You're going to suffer attacks. Attacks are inevitable. Let's move on. second thing I want you to learn is messengers are invaluable. 2 Chronicles 22, verse 2, one verse down. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army from Edom is marching against you. They're coming. Notice that Jehoshaphat, in his position, where he could change the world, where he was standing up for what he believed, where he suffered an attack, he had people in his life looking out for him. He had people out there on the borders looking for potential attacks to come and warn him when something was coming his way. You and I need people like that in our lives who are looking out for us. You got any messengers in your life? Whoa, pastor, I'm not a king. I don't sit in my throne room and have people do my bidding. Neither do I. But I'll tell you what I do have. I have some prayer partners in my life who pray for me. I've given them permission to pray for me. I I ask them to pray for me in certain ways. I'm honest with them about what I'm struggling with. Because I struggle. Do you? Anybody out here struggle? Anybody out here face temptation? Come on now. Anybody out here made some mistakes lately? Anybody sin lately? <gasps> Man, I can do some stupid stuff. I need people looking out for me. I need some people praying for me. I need some godly people who are messengers in my life. And I have many of those. I have people who pray and ask God to help me, and they talk to God about me. And I'm very happy. I don't like to be talked about, but if you want to talk to God about me, you just keep on talking to Him all the time. Please do. Bring me up, because I need it. But I have some friends who come to me. One came recently and said, we were praying for you, Pastor, and we saw this that could be a potential attack in your life, and we really believe you're going to battle this in the days to come. And I said, thank you, Lord, because now I'm on the lookout for it. 
Now I'm prepared to deal with it. Can I tell you that this? You need those people in your life. I'm going to take it just a little further. If you attend Upward Christian Fellowship and the only thing you get out of it is this, you're missing out on a very important part of being a part of a church. We'll talk to you now. I'm glad you're here this morning. I really am. I'm glad you're in this room. This is not the end goal of this church, by the way, to get as many people as we can in this room. Our end goal is to get you out of here to transform our community. But I am glad you're here. But if you want to enjoy the full benefits of being a part of this church family, guess what? You're going to connect with other people outside of this room. You're going to get plugged into a group somewhere. Messengers are invaluable in your life. Let me just throw this in for free. This is extra. We don't charge anything for this part of the message right here. This is absolutely free. Um, bad messengers are a problem. And so many Christians are walking right now beneath their power because the noise of the bad messengers in their head is louder than the good ones. Recently, I just took stock, as I was preparing this message, just last week, I just, I just took stock of the messengers in my life. How people get to me. I've got uh, Jesus, first of all. You're glad of that, right? I had to say that, right? I just had to say that. I couldn't leave that out. My wife. I had to say that too. I'm very glad to say that. Very glad that it's true. She's a messenger for sure. Got my kids. Got staff. Got email. Text messages, Instagram, Facebook, the news, Facebook Messenger, that other email account, that other thing that I, I got too many messengers. Can I just be very authentic with you this morning? One of the things I've been struggling with recently is messenger anxiety. Anybody else face that? I just want to know that I'm not totally crazy, so help me here. So we didn't come to give you personal therapy. Well, I got you for the next 13 minutes, so you're going to help me out here. Anybody ever just get a knot in your stomach when you open email? Can I see a few hands? One, oh, thank God there's a few more of us. It's like I've seen it so much and I hear stuff and I'm just, what's going to happen next? Or you get a voicemail. Anybody get spam calls on your phone from everywhere in the world? That even gives me anxiety lately. You know what that is? Messenger overload. I got too many messages coming into my life. You know what you got to do? You got to manage the messengers. Again, this is all free here. So if you don't like it, you, don't, you can't complain because we're not charging you for it. <laughs> Guests are like, is he serious? What are, did, we didn't buy a ticket. What's going on? 
A key to your mental health right now and in the days to come is going to be turning down the volume on the bad messengers and turning up the volume on the good ones. That means put that phone away and go for a walk. Just get out in the woods without your phone. I know, this is going to shock y'all, but I know several successful people leading happy lives that are not on social media. I know that's almost impossible to believe, but they're out there. They're happy, and they're not on Facebook. I know people who aren't watching the news. i got to confess something else this morning, and I haven't even started preaching yet. I got a little sense of pride in my life that I want to know what's going on. And I don't like it when somebody comes up and asks me, did you hear about this? And I haven't heard about it yet. Because I feel like I'm behind. I'm supposed to know. So I turn on the news just in case somebody asks me if I know anything. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Most of the time when I look at the news... If I'm up here, I'm down here when I'm done reading. I'm mad at somebody. Ticked off about something. I'm depleted spiritually. And if I start my day with that, I'm challenged all day long. Be courageous enough to turn off some of those messages. And you be certain that you turn up the right ones. I'm going to throw this out here, and it may sound arrogant, it may sound ugly, and I do not mean it to sound condemning to anybody, but if the church would read their Bibles as much as their own social media, this world would already be a different place. I say that for Pastor Andy as well. Messengers are invaluable. Attacks are inevitable. Messengers are invaluable. Now I'm going to start to preach so you can start the clock ticking right now. Prayer and fasting are indispensable. Jehoshaphat, what was he? He said Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news. He was scared. He was scared. He was afraid. Nothing wrong with that. Here's what he did, though. He begged the Lord for guidance. Notice he turned straight to the Lord. Now, notice what he didn't do. He didn't put the army on red alert. He didn't do, at least it's not recorded here, which says something. It's not recorded that he sent any armies out. I'm sure he eventually did that. We know that he did. Over the next two weeks, we're going to see the whole story, story unfold, and it's incredible. Somebody needs to make a movie about this. It's an incredible hidden Bible story. People just don't know it a lot. But he didn't put the army on alert. What did he do? He began to talk to God before anything else. He said, God, guide me through this. I don't know what to do. The Hebrew for beg the Lord for guidance means this. It means he worshiped, and he waited on the will of God. What you just did in here, and I noticed y'all were jumping in worship today. And that's awesome. 
Do you know one of the most powerful weapons of your warfare is your praise? I'm already ahead two weeks, but uh, come back in two weeks. It's going to be good. First thing he did is said, God, help me. And then it said this, he ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. What is fasting? Fasting is a very common, normal, regular Christian practice. It is abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose. Now, you know, fasting today is, is, is in vogue as a, as a health measure. There are a lot of voices out there today saying that intermittent fasting is one of the best ways to get healthy and lose weight, and I'm sure there's some merit to that. But what we're talking about here is fasting, pushing away food for spiritual purposes, what we're doing for the next 21 days as a family. And I want to urge you, if you're watching online, you're part of this family. If you're here in this place, we consider you part of this family. For the next 21 days, we're going to take at least one meal a day And we're going to push that meal away. And we're going to spend the time we would spend eating that meal in prayer. It's not a diet. Although if you skip a meal a day, you'll lose some weight. But it's praying when you would be eating. Jehoshaphat called the whole nation together and said, let's fast. Why? Well, The the New Testament church fasted all the time. Jesus fasted 40 days at the beginning of his ministry. Paul fasted. Peter fasted. It is a very common Christian practice that is not so common in America today. We live in the land of fast food drive-thrus. We really live in a food-dominated culture. We're not asking you to fast for the next three weeks, every day, every, every meal. Now, I want to be honest with you, we started the fast on Thursday. So those of you who weren't here on Thursday, you can't eat until Wednesday. <laughs> so next Thursday night at church is going to be really fun because everybody's going to be hangry. No, uh, you can We're doing this till June 30th, one meal a day. We're not going to eat, and we're going to pray during that time. Why should we fast? There's three things fasting accomplishes, and I'm going to close with this. Number one, fasting brings power into your life. The disciples at one point, Matthew recorded it, Matthew 17, the disciples are trying to cast a demon out of a guy. And they needed spiritual power to do that. Yet they could not cast this demon out. And they struggled and fought and struggled and fought. And finally they asked Jesus, what do we do, Jesus? Why can we not cast this demon out? And Jesus said, this kind doesn't go out except by prayer and fasting. There are times you need spiritual power to break bondages in a situation. And when you fast, Jesus said, that kind of power and that kind of authority comes into your life. I'm going to tell you, at the end of 21 days, we're going to have more power as a church than we had before. We're going to have more spiritual authority as a church than we had before. I'll tell you what I've been doing during the fast. i got to quit. But what I'm doing during this fast, I've been walking around town. And I've just been saying, Jesus, Hendersonville belongs to you. Jesus, Henderson County belongs to you. 
I was in a public school the other day, and we were celebrating a kid's birthday, and I just disappeared for a while, and I walked all over that public school. They say there's no prayer in schools. There was that day. There's a bunch of it. I walked all over that school, and I said, in Jesus' name, nobody's going to come in this school and shoot anybody. In Jesus' name, we station the Holy Spirit. You may think I'm crazy. Go ahead. You already do. It's all right, some of you. Station the Holy Spirit of God at the door of this school. And if anybody comes into this school to do harm, the Holy Spirit can put them on the ground and hold them there until the authorities get there. In the name of Jesus. I believe that. We're going to have a power and a spiritual authority that we did not have before. Fasting brings focus. Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah saw a terrible situation. His hometown, the temple had, was being rebuilt, but the walls had been torn down and his town was vulnerable and he wept and he prayed and he fasted. And God brought focus into his life and led him into the next step. Fasting brings, lastly, humility. The psalmist said, when they were ill, I grieved for them. I denied myself. Fasting is us saying no to ourselves. Do you know what power there is in saying no to yourself? Do you know? Well, good, I'm going to tell you. Saying no to yourself is one of the best things you can do. If I say yes to what I do in the moment, you know what's going to happen to me? If I say yes to myself in the moment, I'm going to eat the Snickers bar and the donut and some ice cream. I'm not going to exercise. I love to walk. I love to hike. I love to run. I never want to do it when I begin. Never. I'm never like, oh, I'm excited. I'm going to go for a run. This is going to feel so good. The first mile, if you've been running 20 years, the first mile still stinks. When I say no to myself, I'm often helping myself. Fasting exercises that muscle in my life. It humbles me and exalts the Lord. Fasting brings humility. I've got to quit. Back in the 1870s, there was a, this is, this is history. I've joked around with you so much today, I, I, I don't want you to think I'm leading you into something else. This is true now. Listen. 1870s in Minnesota, there was a plague of locusts. They were Rocky Mountain locusts. And from 1873 to 1876, they basically came in and stripped the, the crops bare. You've never been around a locust invasion. They can absolutely leave the earth bare. And Minnesota didn't know what to do. The spring of 1877 was coming. And the governor was John Pillsbury. That Pillsbury. He's the governor of Minnesota. They didn't know what to do. They didn't have some of the things we have today pesticides and other things the only thing they could do they would put like tar on big sheets of metal and drag them over the fields to try to catch the larvae and destroy them they tried that they're just billions of them 
1877's cranking up, spring is coming, and they do studies, and they come to him with news that there are absolutely billions of larvae, and that 1877 is going to be the worst locust attack ever, and the economy of the state would likely be devastated. They'd already been beat up for three years. Governor didn't know what to do, so you know what he did? He proclaimed a statewide day of fasting and prayer in Minnesota. They shut down schools. They shut down government offices. He called upon business owners to close on that day and go to church and fast and pray. He spent his own money constructing a special chapel where people could come and pray. He was ridiculed. Even in those days, reporters came from all over the United States to mock Governor Pillsbury because he thought he could solve a locust problem by fasting and praying. Yet on April 26 of 1877, Minnesota shut down. School was closed. Government was closed. They said in the streets of, of the cities that day, that, that day it was just quiet because everybody was in church praying. Fasting. It was this beautiful, bright, sunny day. It was so unseasonably warm that the locust larva actually began hatching. Have you ever started praying and something got worse? Anybody? Raise your hand. Let's see. They said, oh, Lord, they're actually hatching. That evening, it started to rain. That night it started getting cold and the rain turned to sleet. The sleet turned to snow. Then a blizzard came out of the north from Canada and blanketed the state. When everything cleared away a couple days later, you know what they found out? Those locust larvae that had hatched froze to death in the blizzard right after they hatched. And guess what? 1877 was an economic boom and the greatest harvest of ever came in Minnesota because God's people fasted and prayed. Amen. I believe, call me crazy, I don't believe the best days of our world are behind us. God can intervene and change things as God's people fast and pray. Would you stand to your feet? We've got five prayer points. You say, Pastor, how do I pray? If you don't know how to pray, guess what you do? When you're fasting, pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Pray that over and over again if you don't know how to pray. We've got five prayer points and they're on five cards right there in your seat. Number one, we're saying, God, visit our community with your presence in a special way. Amen. How many want to believe God just to visit Henderson County in a special way? How many have a special burden today? God, visit Henderson County. Kent Parent, would you come stand right over here, please? Kent's going to be our point person for step number one in the service this morning. We're praying and asking God for a visitation in Henderson County. Can I get an amen?
I'm asking God in the days and weeks to come that churches be filled in Henderson County with people seeking Jesus Christ. Second thing we're praying for is God, save people. Bring people into your family in our community like never before. How many would lift a hand and say, I want to see people saved like never before. I want to see lives changed. Michael, will you come and stand right here? He's going to be point number two. God, save people. Amen? Point number three. Lord, show your power by healing the sick. How many want to see sick people healed in Jesus' name? Gary Prechter, you're back there. Would you come stand right here? I got you again. This man right here, I'm going to embarrass him again. Dr. Gary Prechter, God has used this man during this pandemic in a powerful way in Henderson County. Saved a lot of lives and stood up for truth in a big, powerful way. Would you stand here for healing? Amen. Number four, Lord, bless our community leadership with wisdom and courage to lead well. How many want to stand and believe God for community leaders to lead well? Amen. Community leaders. Scott Estramere, would you come up here? Scott with the Sheriff's Department. I'm just calling people out this morning. Scott, would you stand? Scott's one of our wonderful law enforcement deputies. Would you give him a hand and all those that serve in Henderson County? Lastly, Lord, provide all the resources necessary to accomplish your vision. Amen. I'm praying for churches all over Henderson County to have everything they need to do God's work in this day. Wayne Bork, would you come up here and stand over here? I'm calling him from way back now. I hit the front row. Now I'm getting the back row. Now, I know we're full this morning, and you're not supposed to do this with a full crowd on a Sunday morning, and I'm taking a little bit of extra time. But how many of you have a burden for one of these areas specifically? You're like, man, I'm, I'm burdened with this. I want some people to come right now over here and stand with Kent who are burdened. Say, God, visit Henderson County. Would you step out and just come right now and just stand with him right now if that's the burden of your heart? Come on, come on, come on. God, visit Henderson County in a special way. Just come stand with him. We're just having groups here this morning. How many will stand with Michael here and say, Lord, I want to see people saved. I want to see lives transformed. I want to see a harvest of souls coming into the kingdom. Would y'all stand with Michael right now and just believe God for that right now? Amen. How many want to see God heal the sick in a powerful way? Would y'all stand with Dr. Prechter right here, right now? We're going to pray and believe. Just come stand right here. God still heals sick bodies. How many want to pray for leadership in the community in Henderson County? Our mayor, our county commissioners, our sheriff, our elected officials. And want to ask God to give them wisdom and strength. Would y'all come stand right here with Scott right now? How many believe in God to provide resources? Would y'all come stand with Wayne and Karen Bork right here? We're believing God for resources to come in in a mighty way for God to accomplish His vision. Amen. This is powerful, church. We're standing together and we're believing God for each of these groups, each of these five prayer points. Next three weeks, we're going to see God move in these areas. Amen pray with me right now. If you're in the congregation, would you just extend your hands this way towards these groups up here, and I'm going to pray over each of them. Lord, we come to you with group one right here. God, we're asking you to visit Henderson County in a special and in a powerful way, Jesus. 
God, there are problems here. They cannot be solved without a visitation from you. And God, we're asking you to show up, manifest your love, manifest your power, make it known, God, that you're at work in our community, God, in a powerful way. In every church in Henderson County, pour out your spirit, pour out your presence, make a difference in your people. God, we stand with group number two, and we ask you, God, to save people. We ask you, God, to bring people into your kingdom. There are so many in Henderson County now that don't know you, Jesus. And we're asking you in the mighty name of Jesus to bring in that harvest, God. Send us to them with your love. Break bondages in Jesus' name. God, I'm asking you today to heal the sick, Father. Lord, manifest your spiritual gift of healing, God, through our lives so that sick people can be healed. Not for our glory, not so that people might look at us. But for your glory, Jesus, heal the sick in Jesus' name. May your gift of healing just flow through these people right here, right now. God, we intercede for our leaders in Henderson County. And we ask you, God, to touch them, minister to them, love them, God. Give them the courage and the wisdom they need, Lord, to lead righteously and in a godly way to manifest your kingdom. Lord, resources are in your hands. I pray and ask in the name of Jesus that you will open the floodgates of heaven to pour resources into your people's hands. Not, God, so that we can store them up for our own benefit or our own good, but, God, so that we can go out and do good in our world and meet needs. Lord, we commit ourselves at Upward Christian Fellowship this morning to pray and to fast until we see these things accomplished. And Lord, we just believe it done today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you. Lift your hands if you would. If you want to receive blessing from the Lord, we believe in spoken blessing and upward. We speak it. I bless you with the powerful, creative, empowering presence of the Holy Spirit in your life this week. God wants to move in your life in a deeper way, in a stronger way. God wants to open gifts of the Holy Spirit and manifest them to you, in you, and through you this week. On your job, in your community, at the restaurant, God wants to bless you. Some of you, He's going to give great faith to accomplish things greater than you ever were, the gift of faith. Some of you, He's going to bless you with the gift of healing. You're going to be able to pray for sick people and see them touched and blessed and healed. Some of you, He's going to give you knowledge above your common knowledge. Some of you, He's going to give you wisdom far beyond anything you've ever had before. Be open to every one of His gifts. Receive them with joy and turn them outward toward your community. I bless you with that today in Jesus' name. Now go in that same power of the Holy Spirit. Make Jesus known in your community. Amen. Upward. Great things coming the next three weeks as we fast and pray. Thank you. Love you so much. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Upward Christian Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the Upward Journey.